Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Welcome in to another edition of Upper Quartile. I'm James Boyd, along with my editor, Jim Aiello. Jim, we have had a week. <laughs> I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've heard, but the Colts have a running back who does not want to be here. That running back happens to be the most important one on the team. Jonathan Taylor, one of the best in the NFL, the best season of any Colts running back ever, and this franchise has had Marshall Falk, Edwin James, Eric Dickerson, the list goes on. I mean, I was there. I saw the bus. I saw him get on the bus, get off the bus, all those things. It was quite a night in Grand Park. Uh, I believe this was Saturday, so... Um, yeah, as I say, the day the days are all blended together now, and uh, you know the tweets. I was I was putting together a story, you know, a little tease for if you guys listen to this. Zach Kiefer's writing about this whole thing, and I was like, I don't know, wait, I, weeks, months, year. How, how long has this been going on? What day was that? It's been a whirlwind going on. Um, I'm actually going to blame Jonathan Taylor too for why I haven't uh, purchased myself a mic. So apologies to you guys. <laughs> out there. If I'm, my quality's a little bit worse than James's. I will get there. I promise. It's just, uh, yeah, this weekend got taken over, and all of Colts. Like the NFL, like everything's been taken over, I feel like, by this Jonathan Taylor storyline. So where I want to start, James, with you is just just take us back to that scene, man. Like what I'm I'm monitoring Twitter for your tweets. I'm, you know, keeping an eye on practice. It's Saturday night, you know. I'm like, okay, cool, see what's going on. Is Anthony Richardson having a good day? And all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor's getting on Jim Say's bus, which is parked outside of practice, and it's like, what in the heck is going on? I'll tell you what, one of the hardest things was trying to like monitor a bus while also looking at the other most important player on the franchise at the moment, which is Anthony Richardson. Yep. At some point, I was just, you know what? I was like, this is bus watch. Whatever happens in this practice, I'm sorry. The history books will never say what actually happened in it because it be immediately became JT watch. And I did see him get gestured or called over by a Colt staffer to walk down the sideline. We're obviously wondering, like, where is he going? Then you see this big bus, which is not um, very discreet, you know, luxurious <laughs> uh, bus. And and I believe <laughs> my guy, Stephen Holder, he, like, tweeted about it and, like, his, you know, luxurious motor coach. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going this far. It's a bus, all right? It is a bus. It's an RV type of bus. Very nice, you know, rich guy stuff. And so JT got on, and seriously, I remember tweeting it out not only to – have it out there but to like have a timestamp that way where i could tweet when he got off and it lasted about an hour and we were all thinking like man would this be something where he gets off this bus and he has a deal and it's like in this movie moment right and all things are you know uh under the bridge the water's under the bridge they've made amends that was not the case as i'm sure you saw when i started tweeting because our desk was obviously alerted of hey he's talking tonight jim ursay is 
this is going to be important. I'll have some more stuff for you. Did I yep. know we were going to have all of that? Probably not. But <laughs> um, yeah, as soon as I fired off some of those tweets and we got to ask maybe five questions to Jim Ursay in about a 12 minute um, media scrum, the bottom line is the first thing we found out was, hey, you know, no extension, not going to be an extension. He wouldn't talk about his future beyond this season. And he also uh, talked about how everything he has to do as an owner of a team is about protecting the team itself. It was very much a we are not going to pay you before we have to type of stance. And so uh, JT did not look happy going on the bus, certainly didn't look happy going off of the bus. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's been like pouting as some fans have insinuated. He just looks kind of lifeless, like he's there, but he's not really there. Like today, I, I, he was a little bit, you know, more engaged. I'm not watching the guy every single second of every practice, he, but I, I will say this. He's, he's engaged with his teammates. He's not like out there just, you know, dissing anybody or something like that. Like from what I can tell in that hour that we see him, is he thrilled to be there? Probably not, but it's not like he's like throwing a fit and like, you know, intentionally sabotaging the team or something like that. He's just in this situation where he's not really on the team or off the team. So it was very interesting to see. And um, I guess what was your reaction from your perspective, Jim, when you saw some of my tweets? And I mean, the main one being the, you know, Ursay quote, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. I mean, wow. My, my reaction to that was I've heard Jim Ursay say some things before. And this was one <laughs> was among the things that he said. Like, it's just why, again, you know what, in a literal sense, Sure, that is true. Uh, I just, it's hard for me. You know, he's talking about taking care of his players. We've always taken care of our players. No one takes care of our players better. And again, to a degree, I understand that that's true. He takes care of the retired players. He's very close with, the, you know, Martin Harrison, Andrew James, a lot of these guys. But also, it's kind of hard to make that argument when you've, yeah, we'll take, we always take care of our players when you're, in fact, in this situation, not taking care of your player. Um, but the whole, I got to say, man, like the thing that stood out to me, and you wrote a fabulous article with like just about this, but the thing that stood out to me about it was like, I just kept going over my head. I, I can't believe it's come to this because six months ago, seven months ago, we heard Chris Ballard say, you pay, you pay your star players, you pay your best players. And I think he was even asked, are you, even if it's a running back, you know, in the current market. And he said, you pay your best players. Like it seemed like you were a formality, a foregone conclusion. This was going to happen. Like Jonathan yeah. Taylor, it was, he's next in line. It was Quentin Nelson and Shaq Leonard and Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly. Like all of these guys who've gotten paid before they get to the open market. Jonathan Taylor was next. And now all of a sudden everything has changed and it's, it's wild to have watched that unfold. So I, yeah, I, I don't know what conclusion to draw other than the Colts watched the running back market crater this off season and said, Hmm, I guess we don't have to pay it. Yeah. I mean, it was, I asked him that question and I had to shout and kind of be the mean guy in the scrum. I usually don't like just, you know, bully everyone, but I was like, I'm getting a question into this guy because you know, one, when is the next time you're going to talk to the owner and you know, Jim Ursay for better or worse is going to speak his mind. And so I asked mm-hmm. him, I said, why haven't you extended JT when you have extended players at other non-premium positions right. prior to their final year? And he basically said, you know, hey, it's not a timing thing. It's like a cap space thing. We're thinking of the team. We're thinking of the future and and what it means for everyone. He even talked about, you know, Edwin James and before my time, obviously, but um, cutting him the year before, before they won the Super Bowl and moving on from him because, you know, he didn't have as much, you know, they didn't have as much quote unquote money to give him. 
as he wanted. So he went and got paid in Arizona. So um, and he also, you know, basically was saying like, and, and Edge is like my, my my best friend. Ducked him into the Hall of Fame. I love the guy. And I mean, he even gifted Edge a ring because they won the Super Bowl a year after um, he left. And so I, I was thinking to myself, wow, if this is kind of reading between the lines, if this is basically what you're saying is I cut my best friend, I will, you know, I will franchise tag or cut or, you know, make this guy play it out as best as I can. Then to me, it was more so of like, we don't have to do anything we don't want to right now. And it's not new. I've done this before, but obviously the conversation is different now because running backs, even dating back to Edge and James, like it's just a different time than it was, you know, even 10 years ago. So um, we've heard comments from almost every premier running back in the league so far. But the only part for me that's kind of a struggle is that JT himself hasn't talked. Like we've seen the, you know, the tip for tat with, yeah, yeah. Ursay and his agent. We've seen some of the tip for tat that JT has had, you know, dismissing the non-football injury that would obviously mean basically be mean he wouldn't get paid and wouldn't be able to get free of his contract, all those things. He dismissed that. But like we haven't heard him talk since June, the last day of veteran minicamp, where he kind of hinted at being unhappy. And now, as you said, everything's sort of become very personable, very not not personable, but personal. <laughs> very fast and um you know I wish, I wish it was personable but it's not it's uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy does, i mean yeah. yeah so it was just rough to kind of go through that i yeah. guess as a reporter myself because i was thinking wow like this night just got a lot longer a lot crazier but um i think we laid out the timeline on the athletic we laid out what it means i read through the cba for two days and not have fun doing that <laughs> but um sorry <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, Jim, this is the job sometimes, yeah. and it is what it is. So um, I think it was just a, a very unique situation. And the reason yeah. why it's so unique is because JT, unlike, you know, a Saquon or Josh Jacobs, he still has one year left on his deal. Yeah, I will say this. I wanted to point out the thing, Edger and James thing. It's a very valid point that Ursay makes, except for the fact that they were already paying Peyton Manning at the time. And as you pointed out multiple times, they're not paying a quarterback right now. And in fact, they're not they paying know. many people. I mean, they're not paying that many people a lot. Like, we'll see what happens with Shaq Leonard, but that contract is can pretty much be done at the end of this year. They're, they're you know, Braden Smith is not going to be paid for that much longer. Ryan Kelly's not going to be paid for that much longer. Like, a lot of their major contracts are expiring soon or they can get out of them soon. So I also think that, you know, not, hey, we have to conserve cap space is maybe not the best argument. That said, listen, I've never been a, a – <laughs> I was part of the, you know, don't pay running backs movement. I, I, you know, essentially like early on, I was, I didn't believe necessarily that you should give them a lot of money. I think they're a little bit more replaceable. Obviously guys, some guys stand out and they're superior talents and are better, but again, aside from that whole argument, whether, where you want to be on one side of that or the other, and I, I can understand both sides, frankly, the one thing I think you have to point out with the Colts is that it's the culture thing. It's the, it's the rewarding your guys thing. It's, yeah. it's the, do, yeah. do you want to be the, do you want to be the place where free agents and the players that you drafted see, Hey, this guy was a good soldier for three years. He was, you know, he did everything in the community that we asked. He said, he, like you said, he's a boy scout when he, when he responds to people in the media, he's effectively a PR person for the Colts. Sometimes he's done all of that for them, not to mention what he's done on the field. Okay. So let's put aside the whole running back thing and let's give him a contract, give him a couple more, Maybe, maybe it's another extra million or two to, to say, hey, thanks for doing that. Again, it's not like you're 
paying him for past production so much. He guy's 24 years old. If he's healthy, he could still be good for the next three or four years anyway. So I just think the Colts had established that culture of pay, pay your guys, pay the guys early and, and reward them for something that they've done well. And with Taylor, it just felt like he was next in line for that. He'd done everything he was supposed to do. And all of a sudden they're, they're throwing up the roadblocks and it's just, yeah, it's gotten messy. So I guess what I wanted to ask you though, is I think a lot of people have, I should I, I don't I don't want to make assumptions, but Colts fans seem to be split on this. A lot of people seem to be pretty upset at Jonathan Taylor for the way he's doing this. You know, they they don't seem to like his agent very much and think the agents kind of poisoned him against the Colts. I don't know what's your, what's your read on on where Taylor should be on on this whole thing. So I think the agent thing is interesting because everyone acts like he got this agent and you know, everything went downhill. Now I will say the agent arguing with the owner of the team, your player, your client is on the guy who had basically has to pay your client arguing with him on Twitter is not a good idea. Not a good business tactic. Right. But wait, can I, I be, a, can I be a, can I be a four year old real quick and just say that Jim Mercer started it by, by tweeting, by, I mean, by tweeting out about running back. Hey, yeah. Very, <laughs> very fair. But again, when you, when that guy, you know, who started it has the upper hand, Sure. You know, and again, you can still express some of this fire or this passion or this displeasure, whatever the case may be, behind closed doors. And so it, de- it definitely became sort of a shouting match through the Twitter sphere or the X sphere, whatever you want to call it now. But um, I think the thing that everyone kind of overlooks is the fact that the Colts did not give him an offer at all, according to Jim Irsay. And that's the part where I was like, oh, light flash went off, light bulb went off. That's why he's mad. Like, you didn't even get lowballed. They just took the ball and went home and said, you know, good <laughs> luck trying to play on your own. So that's the part I think that strikes a nerve. And so to him, he was like, I've probably tried the nice guy route, didn't get paid. Let me up the ante a little bit and get someone else. But to me, it feels like, one, if the guy's not going to offer you, he's not going to offer you. And Jim Irsay is sticking to his guns right now. But it felt like he was too far on each end of the spectrum. Like when he started, he was way too like, you know, gung ho about the team and I signed the deal and I'm all for honoring my contract and yada, yada, yada. And I'm here putting the pen to paper. And I was thinking to myself at the time, like, you don't have to lay it on that thick. And that's come back to bite him a lot. I think as far as fans go, because they're like, wait, you said this a few Mm -hmm. months ago. And then now it's swung all the way to the other side where you have, you know, this Twitter thing. I, I, don't, I don't know anybody else. You know, Josh Jacobs is probably just as mad, you know, and, and Saquon Barkley just as mad. But, like, they did not go to this extent where they're exchanging, um, you know, just tweets and things like that and, and never really clarifying things and, and seeing eye to eye. So um, that's where I think I stand on it. And I think that JT is in this situation where you might feel disrespected but I combed through the CBA and I would encourage everyone to read my story on that with the, from the athletics out to Daniel Popper covers the charges for us. Helped me a lot, you know, with, cause he would dealt with the holdout, a potential holdout with um, Melvin Gordon, mm-hmm. not saying that JT will hold out, but it is an option. So I went through all those things, but at the end of the day, he doesn't have very much leverage at all. I mean, I would say it's, it's negligible at, at this point because yeah. What can you do when you're trying to earn more money? And so would you really sit out 
and lose money while you haven't even made a lot of money and, and then and there's no guarantee at the end of it all that you'll be yeah. have that you know accrued season that you need to become an unrestricted free agent they could just tag you again so to me and it goes back to the Jim Irsay comment about you know if I die tonight if you know he's off the team out of the league whatever it basically was a translation like I decide what happens and so whatever I say goes and no one's going to care about, you know, how upset you are about it. Um, your disgruntlement with it. We're just going to do what we want to do anyways, because we're the NFL. And, um, I was joking with Holder in the media room, uh, the other day. And it's like the mafia, like, like if you read through and I've done it and I, and again, I would encourage our listeners to read it because I felt like, you know, it was in easy enough terms for you all and even myself because i had to learn myself first and then kind of regurgitate it to everyone else but it's like the mafia once you're in you're in like yep. there is very very little wiggle room for you to get out from a contract that you signed you especially a rookie contract so um i don't know jim i just feel like at the end of the day we're gonna see jt play for the colts again play for the colts this season i don't know when exactly that will be and the interesting thing with Shane Steichen is, you know, he was asked point blank, what is JT's injury? Why is he on pump? And he's, he, he said verbatim, you know, he's just dealing with something and I'm not going to go any, any further in, into that. So, yeah. I mean, what, what do we make of all this? What do I make of all this? I don't really know. I just know that every single day I look for JT, see if he's there, tweet that out probably get a video hey here he is he's alive because everyone always asks me what's his body language you know is he talking to anybody look for yourself i don't have time to look just solely at jt i get it he's on the team he's a star but he's also not playing right now so i have to watch the other players in practice which you know if we have time we'll talk about you know actual <laughs> football in indianapolis wait but, you're um, contemplating football right now i mean nah. you couldn't tell from my feet <laughs> but i mean he just doesn't really have many ways out, and it just yeah. seems very murky. And until he speaks himself, there isn't going to be a lot of clarity on this front. And I think that's the one thing selfishly that I want is just to just speak up and kind of you know say your piece because as we've seen, we saw Saquon say what he had to say. Um, I believe Josh Jacobs had a few statements at least early on that he put out there, and you know his was way earlier than JT where he was like I think it was at the Pro Bowl he was like you know it's hero turn villain if I don't get this deal and I and then franchise tagged me in, in Las Vegas and so um again I feel like of all the running backs who were kind of up against it it seemed like JT's situation turned on a dime just like that and he seems to be in like the worst situation of all of these guys because of that last year on his deal it's almost like he's a yeah. year too early to really get into this and dig his heels in so um I mean, we could even talk about the money, Jim. Like when you saw the the numbers in the story, are you gonna miss like practice? Are you gonna miss games? I mean, that's that's a it, lot of money. So to me, when I read when I read your story and read through the CBA and tried to figure out what he'd be giving up, it, it wasn't even about the money. And it is, it's a lot of money. It's four million dollars this year, and he, if the, you know the, all the weeks that he sits out, you guys can read through. He's you know forty grand a year, and he can lose more on bonuses and all that stuff. Like to me, that's big obviously no one wants to lose four million dollars i never had four million dollars but if i did i wouldn't want to lose it. <laughs> uh the bigger thing for me though is what is the accrued season man like that it's like if you don't get if he doesn't get to qualify for that fourth season and get out of the rookie contract because then at the very least and again i know he doesn't want this but at the very least he gets franchise tagged and that's 13 million dollars and then and it's hey, guaranteed. That's a, you're getting paid what you're worth 
at least for the year. Now, long term, right. not so much, but you're getting paid what you're worth for the year. So he's got to get out of that rookie contract now because he's, again, we also remember too, he's a second round pick. So it's not like the highest amount of money he could be making on that rookie right. deal. So again, that, that to me is where Taylor's in a box is that he needs to finish that fourth season. He needs to at least, and again, and you wrote about it, you know, I think put quite simply, he needs to be around for at least six games, which means he probably needs to be back for at least eight weeks uh, because the Colts can, and again, you guys can read this, but they can manipulate things a little bit on him that he needs to be back for eight weeks so he can play six games or at least be <laughs> around active for six games yeah. uh, for the season, the season to count. So he's, he's, like I said, he's in a bind. I don't, here's what I'll say. I don't think it's too late for these two sides to mend fences. I think maybe if they just stop tweeting at each other for a little bit, uh, <laughs> the emotions will, will fall and they can maybe figure something out. I get, I don't know that a contract's coming, but I think Taylor is just going to have to probably swallow his pride a little bit on this and just do it. Um, the one thing I did want to ask you about, and again, I don't want to get too far into it because I don't think there's any way of proving it. And so it's really just speculating, but I think the back injury thing is something that we haven't talked about and it's out there in the ether, you know, it was reported and then he denied it. And so, and then there's the NFI list thing. Like I, my read on it is a threat that we're actually going to, it was, you know, it's a threat that's never actually going to come through. I don't think they're going to put him on the NFI list, but I did want to get your take on that because again, it's like the last item of this Taylor thing we haven't really talked about. Yeah, obviously the NFI, the non-football injury, which is basically what Naheem Hines had, you know, when he was sitting on a jet ski and got hit by someone else. That basically means that they don't have to pay you. And then also you don't get out of that contract. So you wouldn't get paid for a year and then you would still owe a year when you're healthy again. If for whatever reason, JT, for example, had this back injury away from a team site. And for some people who might just be curious, a non-football injury basically means anything that happens outside of the facility. So even if you are training for football, let's, let's say like on a beach somewhere in like California, but you're playing for the Indianapolis Colts and you weren't in their facility and you mess up your back, then like that still would count as a non-football injury because it wasn't on the company property, like using company equipment, things like that. So that's like a bit of a, a, a tough gray area there. But um, to me, a lot of this, looking at the NFI, which I don't really give it too much attention because I'm thinking to myself, there has to be a record of all this stuff too. And I was having a great conversation with Chap about this. I think the NFI thing, and I'll honestly, I have to look through the CBA again probably to figure out like the nuances of it and kind of ask around the league to different sources and different people. But like, how official is it? Like you like that, like that's the one thing that I think everyone's kind of missing the pup list is one thing, you know, oh, are you hurt or you're not, whatever the case may be. But that NFI thing, like, there's no way the Colts could just put that on Jonathan Taylor. Right. Like, there would have to be some kind of record, MRI, X-ray, document, right. something other than, like, this guy is pouting, we're going to just put this tag on him for them to be able to do that. And, so, and well, The PA would, would fight it. The PA would fight exactly, it. and I don't even want to get yeah. into like how far that would go. So, yeah. like you said, I think it's sort of like a, you know, it, it's kind of like we'll hang this over your head because you're not going to get what you want. And I think you talk about making amends. I think JT is the person at the center of this, and I get it. He didn't like necessarily start to fan the flames because I think everything jumped off and kind of escalated after Jim Irsay's tweet about the running back market and them trying to renegotiate the CBA is inappropriate. Right. That kind of planted the seed. And also the, the last line of that, you know, agents acting in bad faith, you know, that's going to be a, a striking nerve with JT and his agent. Right. But there is no out. 
there is no clean out. There is no pathway that's very easy, whether it's even just mentally, financially, emotionally, that's going to be able to allow you to get from underneath this team. So the best thing you can do is, I guess, put it all in perspective and, and, and kind of go back to why you love the game. I know it sounds cliche, but I'm thinking to myself, like, what else can you kind of grasp onto? You know, you lean on your family. You know, he's married now. Talk to your wife, maybe, and, and kind of, you know, vent to her. Because I remember last season when Matt Ryan got benched and was going through all this stuff, he told us, like, you know, he was with us, the, the consummate pro, never said anything bad. But he said, like, yeah, you need somebody to vent to. Vent to my wife. So, hey, maybe vent to his wife and just kind of accepts that he's not wrong in his stance and the Colts, by the letter of the CBA, aren't wrong in their stance. And so you have to just kind of accept that this is what the system is. And even if you do want to fight it, it's seven years before the CBA is up, you'll be most likely fighting a fight for the next generation and not yours per se. So um, we'll see. I know Shane Steichen obviously isn't thrilled every day to get asked about Jonathan Taylor, but guess who's going to keep asking about Jonathan Taylor every day? Us. Because the day you don't ask, and shout out to Chap, Great journalism advice. The day you don't ask or the day you don't show up is the day something will happen or something did happen. And so, obviously, if they activate him and he comes out there running for practicing and geared, I'll know then. But we have to ask because it is this elephant in the room that continues to get bigger and bigger. And when asked about, you know, JT being on the team, does he expect that? And, again, Shane's just kind of vague. Like, you know what? I told you I wouldn't get in too much into that. But, hey, he's on the team. He's on the roster. You know, when he's healthy, he'll be he'll be out there. But that's you, this is also coming from the same guy who basically did not say whether it's a back or an ankle. So you just never know. There's a lot of things going on internally. And he's in a really bad spot, too, because he's the only like leadership figure that has to see us every single day and answer right. for this stuff. And quite frankly, he has nothing to do with it. I'm very sure he would love to have JT out there right now if he could, helping Anthony Richardson, helping to be sort of that uh that tandem that We've all envisioned. I mean, I went back. You can check the, check, check out our timeline article. The first, you know, day on the job. Shane Steichen's talking about building an offense with a running back as dynamic as JT and then using that running back to help the quarterback. And so you make a very good point about them not having paid a quarterback yet. So to me, what's the the real risk in offering him even a low contract, a low-balled contract with, you know, obviously some guaranteed money there and some long-term security while you figure out your quarterback position. But it seems like the Colts are steadfast and not, you know, doing that. And the biggest the biggest thing that I guess has been overlooked because we haven't talked about it much concerning JT, but with Anthony Richardson, if for whatever reason this relationship stays so sour that JT is never the same JT, you know, who does come back and play or he only plays the six games, whatever the case may be, how much would that affect the development of Anthony Richardson? And would he, he be able to overcome that to still be a great player? Like, and if we look up in four or five years and we say, man, like this guy is struggling, he's not the answer. And one of the reasons, because it wouldn't be all of it, but one of the reasons is that you gave away or you parted ways or you were at odds with your best player in the backfield, that's going to be a horrible development and, and really really hurt this franchise. I don't want to get too far down the line, but that's kind of where my mind is going is this was supposed to be in my mind, at least like a three year marriage between JT and AR. But right now JT's like, get me on the first flight out of here. So 
And I get that. But again, lean on your family, maybe lean on your love of the game. And then remember how amazing it is to play in the NFL for millions of dollars. And so it might, you might not, you don't have to show to work every day and love your boss or whatever the case may be. But I mean, what other options do you have besides sitting out, losing a ton of money, and then maybe getting that fourth accrued season? And by maybe, I mean, read the article because it explains it all there. I mean, yeah. it's not a guarantee that he just shows up six games, oh, I'm gone, I'm gone, whatever the case may be. There's so many things that are in that CBA that make it very unlikely, at least from my perspective, for him to give up this amount of money without the chance to uh, recoup any of it once it's gone. I mean, that's the other elephant in the room is like, if you hold out, it's not like even if you dig get a new contract, you still will miss the money you didn't make. And so the one thing I will add is that uh, JT is right in the sense of I want long-term security because Zach Moss broke his arm. He's in a contract year. Now he'll be back, you know, at the start of the season, around the start of the season, could be, you know, uh, six weeks from yesterday would be one day after the season opener. You know, I saw his, like, splints slash arm cast or really like his wrist, Jim, like down yeah. in, in, like, the wrist area. So maybe that's a better sign. I'm not a surgeon or whatever. Maybe that's a quicker turnaround. But the point is, if that were JT, that would prove his point. You know, this is why I don't want to play without having those guarantees. And even if I play this last year out and I have a dominant year, you can franchise tag me again and I'll have to like play on a one year rental. And if I get hurt, you just cut me. So um, it's it's tough sledding, but definitely a lot going on with the running backs, considering that two of your top ones are down. Yeah. If I'm Jonathan Taylor, I think, you know, there's not a lot of places to look for for good examples about what you should be doing here. I guess the only place I would think is go look at look at Aaron Rodgers and the way things went with the Packers, and mm-hmm. when he was when he was pissed that they drafted Jordan Love, and what he did was go on his little Aaron Rodgers revenge tour and win back to back MVPs, and eventually push his way out. Now, again, obviously Jonathan Taylor wants out sooner than that, but I think I think the best, I honestly. The fastest way for him to get the things that he wants, which is, I think, a new contract, one, and two, probably out of Indianapolis at this point, is just come back healthy and dominate. Go on your revenge tour. You can you, you can use the cult as motivation for doing it. And then hopefully you, know, you have a conversation with, with Ballard, with Ursay, and you say, I don't want to be here. I, you can franchise and nag me, but I don't want to be here. And so – you know, let's be grown. Let's be grownups about this. Let's figure out a solution here. Cause I don't want to be here. I don't trust you or whatever his issues are. I don't want to be here anymore. Let me go find out what my worth is on the open market or, you know, tag me and trade me or whatever you have to do, but get me out of here. And so I can, you know, I can go do what I want to do. So that's, I think to me, that's the only good option Jonathan Taylor has where he ends up being close to getting something that he wants. Um, and maybe who knows, maybe like he goes through a whole season, they have a good year and the Colts say, oh, we are going to reward you. And he, and, and, you know, fences are mended and he likes being around Steichen and Richardson and who knows? I mean, I just don't think holding out is going to end up being, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. He loses money. Like you said, he, he's not going to, he's not going to, he might not accrue the season, you know, his reputation gets tarnished, whether, whether or not that's his fault or not, or, you know, should or not, but that's all that's going to happen. Um, so like I said, I think he's just he's just better off on going on a on a JT revenge tour trying to win offensive player of the year and moving on. I'll say this real quick. Getting money, receiving money always feels great. And losing money always feels horrible. Like I've had one ticket in my life. It was 219 bucks. 
And I felt like I just threw the money out the window because I got this ticket and I could never get that money back. And so obviously the ticket price here, if you miss games and all that is a lot steeper in the NFL, all that to say, I think it's going to come down to JT kind of looking in the mirror and realizing there is no win in the situation. The win is you going out there and playing well and, you know, having some sort of, you know, just again, love of the game, pride in the game. And I wouldn't, I, I would never say that he would like show up and like not try hard, but you do have to wonder if he does show up and he's not, you know, wanting to be there, how engaged would he be? How good would he be? I mean, yes, it's a privilege to play in the NFL, but to hear your owner say that in a manner of like life and death was not something yeah. that's going to go over well. And so I just don't know. I think everyone at this point, it has become personal. But can cooler heads prevail to the point where, and again, a lot of this I think will just fall on JT, fair or not fair, because he doesn't have the upper hand. Do you just kind of, hey, someday just walk in, I'll play. This is what it is. I know you all don't have to do anything with me. I'm not happy about it, but I'm here. And I know one fan, or actually not fan, but one reader commented on my story and was, you know, saying, hey, you know, what if he just showed up for his first six games of the season and left? I think it's harder to do a holdout. And again, he hasn't said anything about a holdout. Don't know if he will do it. But if he does, it's a, it's a lot weirder or harder of a holdout to show up late than it is to show up on time and then leave immediately. Right. And also, how would, you know, the league or an independent arbitrator look at that after the season because they again, there's no guarantee that they would say you filled your contractual I mean contractual obligations. So, um a lot of nuance there. Check it out on the Athletic. Make sure you look at the timeline as well, which breaks down how we got here from January all the way, you know, here to August now. You know, so, I mean, it's one of those things where I truly did not think we were going to have the top story in the NFL. But outside of like Joe Burrow's calf, that's pretty much what it's been in Indianapolis, along with, you know, Jim Ursay, because, you know, when the owner of NFL team speaks and he says things that maybe don't go over well, um, they go everywhere. And so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of looking in the mirror these next few days, I think. And we we'll, should get a resolution at some point because you can't stay on the pup list forever. And um, you also just can't stay on the sideline forever if you want to potentially get out of Indianapolis. I thought you were going to end there. Can't stay on the sideline forever. It's like you, should, you should end an article, right, Sam, with that exact line. I know, man. The bars, the bars, the bars. I, I was like, I, I wasn't going to say anything after that. I know, that, I, I know. Like, it was, it was that's poetic. It. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I guess to, to wrap up real quick, um, Jim, I have been out there. I have seen practice. I have yeah. seen certain guys perform. And, um, you know, I threw a quick video up today. Just your quick thoughts. Are you surprised at all that, you know, Anthony Richardson, first day of pads, coming off the nasal procedure, which they say it's a minor surgery. It's still surgery. And that's one one comment reminded me of on Twitter. I have to give him props for that. Like, every surgery is still surgery. So there's some, like, recovery from that. But he had a rough first day of padded practice. They had a live period. Does any of that surprise you? Now, I will say Anthony Richardson had, like, two beautiful throws. But then there were a lot of ones where he missed or it was you know, a timing thing or he just wasn't quite sharp enough. Does that surprise you? And where do you think he stands just based off of, you know, what we've seen, the reports, the videos, things like that from him? Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, I'm not there to watch it, but I, I definitely see what you and you know all the other guys on the beat are are seeing. No, I'm not surprised. It's going to take time. Like I said, I don't, I don't. Again, I, I've said this before. I don't think he's as raw as other people do. I think he's got um, a good baseline to build off of. But like you said, first kind of practice in the NFL, coming off the surgery, a lot of Taylor stuff. Like his mind's got to be kind of everywhere right now. And again, he's still kind of. I, I think ultimately Anthony Richardson is going to be a really good quarterback. I think he could be a great quarterback. But I definitely think he's got to learn how to get primarily to me. Is his feet. He's got to get his feet married to what his arm is doing. And that's not going to happen overnight. So he's going to be inaccurate for a little while. But as long as he's taking those right steps in those directions and you're seeing that progress in practice and, and you know, again, you're not going to be able to walk. You, you know, you don't, you guys only get to watch a little bit of practice. You don't get to right, see right, all right. of all the steps that he's taken. But if you do start to see that the feet are marrying with where his arm, it, it, you know, the arm action, essentially, if those things are going together, um, there's going to be some ups and downs. Again, I think, you know, I hate to use cliche, but progress, progress isn't linear. It's not always going to be, you know, a, a straight trajectory where he's just going to get better and better and better. There's going to be backward steps too. Um, but I do think that you're going to see ups and downs in this first training camp. I think that's true of every quarterback that's ever entered the league. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, first practice, not surprised. I, I Again, I didn't see him, but I'm not holding him to a super high standard yet because I think, again, he's, he's still got a lot to learn and, that footwork stuff once to me, that's what Matt comes. He's such, such great pocket presence, such, you know, physical attributes that all that stuff is going to be so fun to watch. But once the footwork gets locked in and he has NFL caliber footwork, that's when I think you're going to see him take off. Exactly. That's what he told me, told the other reporters. It's the footwork. It's the details. It's the timing. It's all of those things. Um, I know you're not out there, but again, a lot of stuff we tweet out, we talk about it. It's not mm-hmm. rocket science. It's just looking at a guy and realizing, oh, there's a lot of talent there. But he's still sort of this ball of clay. And so Shane Sykin said he's been pleased with his progress. I think being thrown in the fire now is good for later. We'll obviously continue to monitor his progress, monitor his nose as well. Uh, I didn't get a chance to joke with him, but I was like, if you got like some, was it cosmetic or what, what, are, we, what are we doing here? Nose job. But no, <laughs> he seemed to be fine. Um, again, Gardner Minshew is, is a bit sharper right now because he knows the offense, been in the NFL, knows the timing, things like that. But at the end of the day, the only story that will continue to grab headlines here in Indianapolis for the foreseeable future, unless they name a starter next week for a quarterback because they want to just make my life crazy again, um, is Jonathan Taylor. Like We'll stay on JT Watch to see what happens, but as I've laid out in the article in this podcast, and as we've talked about, Jim, it's just not feasible. There is really no way out, and I think that if the Colts are gung-ho and Jim Mercy's gung-ho on keeping him here – not trading him, not extending him, then for better or worse, he will be in a Colts uniform to start the season. And I think the sooner you get him on the field, the better it will be for a guy like Anthony Richardson, who, again, today received all the first-team reps, but he's repping it with guys, with one huge guy, one main guy who isn't there. They haven't Actually, they haven't had any official interaction you know, on the football field when it comes to plays because JT was out of OTAs, out of veteran minicamp, and he's out right now on the pup list in training camp. So we'll keep an eye on all those things. We'll make sure you check out our work at The Athletic. We have other things coming up, other comments on running backs as well. I know Joe Rexrode, our Tennessee Titans columnist, he had a great piece on Derrick Henry, included JT in there as well. So check that out. And just stay tuned. I promise we will get back to the actual football. I have stuff <laughs> coming on that as well. But um. It's been an interesting day in Indianapolis, or interesting few days in Indianapolis, and um, we'll see where it goes from here. So for James Boyd, Jim Aiello, this is Jeff Quartile. Catch up with you guys next time.